Accept. First things first, Alabama State Bar rules require the following language in all attorney communication. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other lawyers. We would remind you that while people are adults and may smoke during our podcast, we certainly don't condone it. <laughs> so, boys and girls, who all's out there? Paul, how you doing, man? Very good, very good. Rip Report, Baldwin County League Legal. We're here today on 420, a momentous day. And we have a special guest also, Miss Callaway from Mobile Baykeeper. How are you, Miss Callaway? I'm good. It's Casey Callaway. Glad to be here. And uh, holding down the fort in uh, Houston, Texas. How you doing? The uh, Houston Bureau Chief of uh, Backstory Media LLC is hanging in there, social distancing completely isolated and not even remotely close to me losing my mind. So I'm great. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Well, Ms. Callaway, we are glad to have you with us today. Um, this is, um, why don't you just uh, tell us where you were um, 10 years ago today? And uh, when did you get the news about uh, the Deepwater Horizon oil spill? Well, this was a this was a slow feed for I think most of us in Alabama. Uh, the rig exploded um, on April twentieth, two thousand ten, and then it took several days before we really understood that a the there was an there was oil gushing out of the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico, and then b <coughs> that that oil even remotely had an opportunity to hit us on the Alabama Gulf Coast. So we um, I. On April 20th, I, I just went back and looked at my little Facebook feed and we had fought and, and beaten back a road in Baldwin County. So we were very excited to protect a portion of the community from, from uh, red clay and runoff and, and overdevelopment in an area. And then it's Earth Month in April. So we are hosting every event you could possibly imagine and doing all sorts of outreach. And then on that weekend was the weekend I got to go to the beach with my family. And on the ride down to the Gulf, I remember hearing that the well was not capped, but it wasn't until the following week that we really knew that this was our disaster and that it was going to be something we had to face for, well, for 87 days, plus all of the lifetime of still looking at what's happening with it now. So rains, you were yes. in uh you were in Mississippi during all this. Did you know anyone who died on the rig? There were eleven people whose bodies no. were incinerated. No, I had a I had a few degrees of separation from a couple, two or three people that were on the rig, but from no one that, that perished from the accident. No. They list uh thirteen lives lost, seventeen injured, and two hundred and ten thousand U.S. gallons of oil was released. Million, two hundred million, million, million gallons. Yeah, um, and I think it was it was eleven lives that were lost on the rig, but there were also additional lives lost across the Gulf of Mexico due to everything from suicide to, you know, significant other issues um, related right. and associated. 
Hey, do you know if anybody's killed this Jake leg or not? Tony Hayward, any of the, nope. the, the, uh, Cunass mafia get him or anything. No, he, no. he was sent to, I think he was literally sent to the North pole. <laughs> no, he's, he's recently gotten a new job and, um, in the same salary range. So I yeah. wish that he actually did get his life back. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when he was he was line. kept away from his America's Cup sailboat race because of right. the BP oil spill. Y'all remember that, right? Tragic. Oh yeah. I mean, what Poor kind baby. of a different walk of life does this guy have from anybody who grew up down here? Um, so Cass Casey, um, the tourism dollars. This is just an infographic that I got from Louisiana showing 10, 11, 12, and 13, they estimated $22 billion lost in revenue. And, of course, you know, I, as, a, as a hunter and a fisherman, um, yes, I'm concerned about tourism, but I can tell you this. Um, I haven't seen uh, speckled trout numbers. I haven't seen white shrimp numbers. I haven't seen, uh, well, I won't say sheephead. We did catch it a good number of sheephead, but redfish, any number of species that are, are gone from Interarity point through Perdita Bay, Arnica Bay, Wolf Bay, and on out into Mobile Bay. Um, do, do, do you hear that same thing from people who, who have fished all their lives? Well, let me, let me back up and talk about the tourism dollars. That's not just, that those and those are Louisiana numbers. But Alabama had one season, one beach going season, cost the Alabama state legislature one billion dollars in taxes. So keep that number in mind because I think it's a really important number. The lost revenue for us with seafood, um, you know, landings was a dramatic number. The lost revenue for, I mean, and you, you got to remember, like who all, who all benefits from you going to the beach? It's it's people you don't think about. Um, it is the person who washes the linens in the hotels and condominiums. Um, it's the people who put paper plates and paper towels in restaurants, as well as the seafood on the restaurant tables. Right. My favorite, um, my favorite kind of thought that Robert Kraft, the mayor of Gulf Shores gave was that, you know, they had these amazing amenities all over Gulf Shores, Alabama. And shockingly enough, no matter how much they invested in the amenities, the reason people came to the beach was for the beach. And I, I, I can't always knew that, but it was really interesting for him to really share that and tell, and tell that story. But I think, um, when you're talking about seafood, one of the most important, you know, seafood, wildlife, all of it, one of the big important, and a lot of those tourism numbers, I'm sorry, also are not just going to the beach numbers. They are recreational seafood, you know, going out charter boat captains. They are, um, they are the folks who, they are hunting and fishing numbers, especially for Louisiana, because people stopped going to where you go and do some of the most fun hunting because, you can't because it wasn't available. Areas were closed for so long. Um, Are you damn sure wouldn't want to eat it if you caught it? There's that. And and I've heard stories that I, I hadn't heard this recently, but I did hear a couple of news stories in the past week talking about the <coughs> seafood industry across coastal Alabama in particular. People still fear eating Gulf seafood. 
Now, I don't, and my family still eats it, um, but because I know that we didn't test it before very well, and we actually did start testing it better, which was right. <laughs> interesting to note. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know what that, I, I'm, I'm going to let that just be <laughs> in right. terms of what that so, means. So, so all around the bay. Hang on, I can I can tell you, and I have to I have to disclose this for for many and sorted, but mainly ethical reasons. I was employed as a lobbyist for the Gulf Seafood Alliance uh, back when this was going on, and one of the things that uh, that group and other groups that I worked with, the Mississippi Seafood Processors Association and whatnot, we invested a lot of money and sweat equity into marketing campaigns that kicked off in about 2015 and said, look, Gulf seafood is okay to eat now. And right. even until now, we're still having to spend a little bit of money and a little bit of equity in getting the message out there. Hey, look, the ocean is one of the, is the most resilient ecosystem on the planet. It'll, it'll fix itself in a lot of ways. Stuff moves around. Gulf seafood is safe to eat now. And uh, Casey, you're absolutely right. We are still dealing with the stigma 10 years later of people saying, oh, I don't want Gulf shrimp. I don't want Gulf redfish. I don't want Gulf lemon fish. I get me something from somewhere else because I'm still worried about BP. So that's but still I, And hopefully y'all have seen the studies and I hope you'll link to it and in, in how you post this information. But the University of South Florida study that came out in the last week, 10 years later, they took, they, they capped, caught 2,500 fish. They tested every single one of those fish and 100% of those fish had BP oil disaster oil markers in wow. them. Now that doesn't I, okay. mean it's poisonous. It doesn't mean you're gonna die. It doesn't mean you can't eat them or that we're gonna have a collapse of the fishery, but it, it's, it, it's there and it's real. All right, so let me ask, Back to my question, uh, the detergents and disbursements, dispersants that were, uh, and, and I'm still not clear about who did that. I think they used military aircraft, AC-130s to, to spray the oil. And, and I don't, and as far as I know, we were never told what was in that dispersant. I mean, it um, wasn't just ivory soap. We know that. No, no, no. It was a, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe it's not coming to my brain. By the time we finish this conversation, the, the actual name brand of the dispersant will come into my head, I assure you. All um, right, so let me ask you another question. Um, besides Bon Secure Fisheries and Joe Patty Seafood, where can John Q. Public go buy a speckled trout, flounder, or pound of shrimp in Baldwin or Mobile counties? I'm, I, I can think of 10 seafood shops that closed because of BP oil spill and they never opened up again. Casey, it was yeah, correct. That one, that one in uh, going to Gulf Shores on the right at the gas station is still in existence. Thank goodness. They, they, they survived. The Biolabattery seafood processors are still thriving uh, or thriving again, I should say. Um, you know, it's, it's been a big challenge for them and that there have been no oysters. So you couldn't, um, we've, we had, we closed down Mobile Bay for oyster processing this year. So there, if you that are was not because of fresh water coming down the river, correct? Fresh water, you, um, varieties of issues. There are multiples with also sewage spills. Um, but most of those, most of those, uh, 
seafood harvesters and processors where the, where where seafood is landed in the bayou, those are up and running and still. But I don't know if you can go in and buy. Uh, Ralph Atkins Southern Fish and Oyster is closed, and that was a devastating loss. But that's been in the last couple of years. Well, and also the the uh, only the only damn thing that got condemned for this two billion dollar bridge project is where I've been buying speckled trout for twenty five years, right next to the cruise terminal parking deck. That's the only thing they condemned, and I I don't know if they started tearing it down or not. But the family doesn't own it anymore. Were That's you familiar with them? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, I don't want to get I don't want to get you sidetracked, Casey. But I would like to ask you, what do you think would be? This is hypothetical as well, but what do you think would be the effects of the uh, uh, steam plant and coal ash if that levy and that was to burst versus what we experienced with the uh, oil spill? So they're kind of. The BP oil disaster was 200 million gallons of oil gushing out of the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico for 87 days. But the total, it took 87 days for us to get to that number that, and that number is still very debatable. I assure you there yeah. are others, including myself, who don't trust that number, but I'll use it. Um, we know exactly how much uh, coal ash is uh, housed at Plant Berry. It's 21 million tons. That's about 20 times the volume of the BP oil disaster. So it's a lot. Uh, and the different, the biggest difference is with freshwater flowing at 60,000 cubic feet per second, which by the way is really, really fast on the Mobile River. With that freshwater pushing down and out in Mobile Bay, it, it had a really positive impact of keeping BP oil out of coming into the bay because that flow is so fast and so hard. But the opposite would be an effect with a breach at the Barry steam plant. The, what would happen is that 60,000 cubic feet per second fast moving river would carry that coal ash down into the bay, down onto our beaches all throughout the Delta. And that is our biggest worry. And when you combine it with the fact that We've not done the right thing to protect ourselves against the next BP oil disaster. We are not doing the right thing legally and with regulations and rules to ensure against uh, a breach at Plant Berry or any of the other facilities in, in Alabama. We, yeah, I, I think what I'm kind of reliving, and, and I don't know how deeply y'all were mired in this 10 years ago, but it was certainly my every single day. Um, and this current crisis of being in quarantine and and y'all can see I'm in my living room or dining room, actually. So you haven't seen my kid or my husband running through here yet, but it's sure to happen. But we are. We are all facing a different kind of crisis. We've got a health crisis that is resulting in a significant economic disaster for our country. And the BP oil disaster was an environmental disaster that had a significant right. environmental impact or economic impact across the whole Gulf Coast and certainly in Alabama. So we we can do better and we should be doing better. Yeah. Couldn't agree well, with you more. Well, we certainly support Baykeeper's efforts, whatever it is on that coal ash, because the first time I saw the aerial photo of it, I thought, oh my God, how did it ever get to this point? And uh, 
I don't know. You keep hearing from Alabama Power. Uh, don't worry, everything's cool, you know. But that's what they always say until something happens, you know. Right. So, um, Casey, I I understand that you are from one of the first Baldwin families, according to our Department of Archives and History. Your fo <laughs> your your family's been down in Orange Beach for hundred hundred fifty years. Is that about technically, right? Technically, technically, no. Technically, I am a Georgia Callaway, um, but the Georgia Callaways and the Gulf Shores Callaways go up to a Callaway, and one went one way, and one went the other. So I'm a I'm a Callaway Gardens, Georgia, um, Claxton Fruitcake, Fruitcake Capital of the World, Callaway, um, and then but the Bemises and the our we're families are we're all related. So um, I don't I don't know if you can see my screen, but do you have this book, a history, a history of Baldwin County? I do have it. I haven't read it in a while. It's been a while. So uh, Rains and I were having a discussion, and um, the other day about this, uh, about the uh, legend of Prince Maddock. You familiar mm -hmm. with that? No, I can't remember. Share, remind me. Okay, in front of the old inn at Fort Morgan is a bronze plaque which bears the following inscription. In the mem in memory of Prince Maddock, a Welsh explorer who landed on the shores of Mobile Bay in 1170 and left with the Indians the Welsh language. Wow. This memorial was erected by the Richmond, Virginia chapter of the Daughters of the American Revolution and dedicated by the Mobile by Mobile's Virginia Cavalier chapter of the organization November 10th, 1953. So when you take the school kids over to uh, <laughs> Fort Morgan, uh, that that plaque stands there. Uh, Excellent. It, it, you think there's any truth to that? I keep well, trying sure. to tell Reigns that, of course, <laughs> Welsh people discovered America, and it was at Fort Morgan. I, I just love that we're older than everybody else. That, to me, is the best part. Seventy. Wow. <laughs> Oh yeah, and they kept uh they keep finding these white Indians bones and uh forts made of stone. You know, it's kinda like finding Jesus's seven forty seven. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's yeah. a perfect analogy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Casey, we're gonna move on to some uh unseemly uh discussion. <laughs> and uh while we you're certainly welcome to stick around, uh, but if you would like, we hey we really appreciate your time and certainly uh, uh, you you letting uh, uh, Cade participate with us before and uh, stay safe. That's Thank that's my, and wash your damn hands. That's what <laughs> right I keep telling Paul. Him. That's what I keep telling Paul. <laughs> wash your damn hands, Paul. Well, Casey, thank you, so, thank you so welcome, much. For uh, you're welcome back if you you know have a, a particular issue you want to push or discuss. You're more than welcome back on the show. I would love to join y'all again. And I want to also encourage your listeners to become a member of Mobile Bay Keeper today. Um, I want to really quickly just plug for the work that we're continuing to do during this disaster. We're still doing our water quality sampling. We are still responding to pollution reports. We had several sewage spills over the big storms last night that our people are going out and monitoring and tracking. And we're doing that, but our state agency isn't necessarily. So and we've had to push our big fundraisers off. So I would love for y'all to consider being a member. If you're not, mobilebaykeeper.org. Get involved in our work. Um, tell us what you need from us and we'll get on it. And I would I really, again, appreciate y'all taking the time to let me join join the call today. 
Great. No, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye, y'all. Bye-bye. Uh, all right, Paul. So tell me where your picture was taken. Uh, Is that Belize? That picture was taken in Belize about 1970. No, about 1983. And that right. is a, that's what we call a Jew fish. That one went over 200 pounds and that's my daughter, Mariah. Uh, she was about three at the time. Yep. So my photograph is of me and my sister. And if you see, if you can see the little white speck over there, that's bear point. So you're looking South towards bear point Marina right over here. Oh yeah. Our, okay. our place in Josephine. And we are fishing with guess what? Looks like watermelon. No, it's a it's tomato. <laughs> Tomatoes. Yeah, we used to catch we used to catch pinfish with tomatoes and then take them to get in the boat and take them over to the bridge and drop them down and catch redfish, whatever. But we were catching huh. bait. And rains. When was this jewel taken? Uh, Two or three years ago. Uh, yeah, uh, about about 2012. No, that was 1994. And I was working as a mate on the Biloxi schooner, Glen L. Sweatman, and I'm wearing quite possibly the oldest BC in recorded history. I think it was 30 years old back then. I had just done a, I think that picture was taken today. I did some through hole fitting maintenance on the, both of the schooners, the Glen L. Sweatman and Mike Seacool in uh, Biloxi, Mississippi, in a small craft harbor there. Well, I want to get to some numbers real quick. So Paul and I were laughing. Uh, the, these numbers that you're seeing right here are uh, have obviously dated. The new numbers as of 1130 on uh, 4-2020, 4 confirmed cases. So we're about to go from that color to that color. And um, that is uh, with what is the last number of people that lost their life i had 113 i think 113 113 is right um and only forty-five thousand tests administered i you know and that that's part of opening the economy back up adequate testing so forth and so on i don't know how the hell when you've only tested one percent of your population you can uh say we we're doing adequate testing um so they're uh so so let's talk about you know how they keep showing this uh, showing the tick marks as, as we go, uh, the curve goes up or the curve goes down. So on 41720, uh, oh, I'm sorry, 41120, we had 326 new cases and we're down to, uh, on the 17th, we were down to 242 new cases. Of course, those are new cases. And at the same time, we got X number of people dying in hospitals. Um, According to my information, there are, are 116 cases in Baldwin County. This number down here went from 91 to 116. Um, and that's an infection rate of 51.1 per 100,000. So there's and that is today, that is today on 420, which is uh, the predicted peak. However, the Institute out of Washington metric system is saying that they think that Alabama, and I believe it was Arkansas, was actually going to peak a little bit later 
since our infection rate started later as well. So right now in Alabama, there's 641 people hospitalized, but they will not break it down for us by hospital and they will not tell us who is on a ventilator. If you can imagine that. All right, Paul, let's talk about the McSherry case again. So I want to, I, I want to uh, preface this with, well, you want to uh, go through the 420 a little more? Uh, it doesn't matter to me. We can do some 420. Well, we got to. Uh, all right. Well, I, brought, I got my little bit of smoke and I got my little bit of Coke. I'm ready for 420. Let's do it. <laughs> so, so from a realistic perspective, gentlemen, um, here is the reconomics from AL.com about states that have legalized uh, CDB. Um, medical legalization and medical and recreational legalization. And, um, as of right now, um, no one has signed a bill on this medical marijuana stuff. Or, are you aware of that, Paul? No, I, I don't think that they have. Uh, yeah. The, it's out of the Senate It's to the house. And here's when all the real horse shit gets added in and who's gonna, who's, who's gonna be. So one more time, they took a uh, a bill that was done for humanitarian purposes, and we've corrupted it and turned it into a coveted thing of value. That right now it's the wild west between members, uh, lobbyists, members of the uh, legislature um, about who's going to get these thirty-one coveted permits to open a dispensary, and. Right. Um, Anyway, that, so well, that's, that's what. Uh, let's back up just a second, okay. though, for those uh, people that don't really know what 420 means. Uh, 420 started at San Rafael High School in California, of course, in 1971 by Benny Bufano, and it was celebrated at the statue of Louis Pasteur, one that invented uh, or the cured pasteurization. Uh, to, and today it's celebrated around the world by the cannabis counterculture, legal reformers, uh, esoteric spiritualists, and general users of cabana, cabanas. And today at 420, millions of people around the world are going to light up and celebrate by smoking a little bit of bud. And that's how 420 uh, originally got started. Now, Today, 420, the Alabama Cannabis Association is announcing its website and its organization. So there's quite a bit going on on 420 today. And Paul, that's a trade association, correct? Of uh, farmers, yes. processors, yes. distributors. Yes, and I think right now that they have, I believe it was, I counted 23, 24 different uh, members as of today. Great. So um, as far as we know, unless something is terribly derailed or the house attaches too many things that no one can live with, um, Alabama will have sometime in the near future 31 dispensaries it will be for some kind of a, a, a process. If it if it's something that has THC in it, um, it will not be flour. It will be a 
in some other consumable form. Um, do you know, is there, are they going to allow, uh, vapes or no, just edibles? Uh, no, I don't believe there's any smoke involved. Okay. Well, medical marijuana. I do. <laughs> go for it. Well, edibles is the way to go. I mean, it's that's I love edibles. I don't even really smoke much anymore. Period. I once in a blue moon, but it's uh edibles is the way, man. That's that's, that's, that's what, what that's beautiful. what I'm hearing out of Colorado and California <laughs> too. That well, they've all gone pretty much to edibles. So, so I've I, I've been looking at the science of it, and there and there's something weird that happens in your body. Um, I believe it's in your liver. So you're right, Reigns. It's a it's a different experience than smoking flour. Um, oh yeah, well, physio physiologically. If it has something to do with going through your liver, I'm definitely getting a different experience because I got a liver of a 194 year old. So it's uh. Thank God he was. He took the round in the liver. He'll live. That's what Kevlar liver of Range Russian. That's right. Well, All let right. me ask you this, Harry. Yes, sir. What does the oil spill, the legal production of medical marijuana, 420, and the lobbyists that will represent the hemp industry in Alabama all have in common? Well. It's all a dumpster fire. Nope. It's Trip Pittman. <laughs> Senator, Pittman Senator Pittman is the one that received approximately $750,000 when he was the appointed trustee. And I don't believe people understand that as a title. He was the trustee. He was the banker of the money, BP money, that was to be dispersed in Baldwin County. And the very first thing he did was manipulate himself $639,000 out of it. And now I understand that Mr. Pittman is trying to get into the medical marijuana industry. And I would advise those people on a consumer standpoint to stay as far away from Mr. Pittman as they can. And him and their association will not do them any good. So why would a guy who is on top of the world, it just got a bunch of money from the, uh, out of the BP money. Why would, why would he gracefully bow out of politics, Paul? What, what's the angle there? I mean, all well, I've ever angle, heard is they all want a, a position of higher power. No, I think, that, uh, I think that his reputation and stature diminished to such a point to where he basically forced himself out because he was known all over the county for what he had done. Yes. And uh, the investigation, by the way, got all the way to the uh, attorney general's office in the white collar crime section and was investigated by the FBI. And uh, the reasons that I'm hearing that Pittman was never convicted was simply because Matt Hart of the uh, white collar section at the time for the attorney general was all tied up with Mike Hubbard and they didn't have enough investigators to, uh, and he was investigating the attorney general elect who had taken $750,000 illegally from a pack out of state pack to pack transfer. Correct. 
Correct. So this was all, but this was known by everyone and no one did anything. There is a, we, one of the things the RIP report's going to do in the next uh, month is we're going to go back now and celebrate the 10 years ago and let you know just exactly how this scam was pulled off in Fairhope. We'll give you times and dates and documents, and we'll even list the 130 page, I sent it to you, Harry, 130 page official complaint that was sent in at the time. It's the, on our Facebook that, page. Thing that, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. The thing that disturbed me the most about Mr. Pittman and his ability to get that kind of money was that later on, uh, after the spill and when BP started going after some of the money that was misused, they went after people that for $3,500, $7,500, and they were convicted or had to pay the money back. And here, Mr. Pittman walked away with seven hundred and fifty thousand total. Six thirty-nine. Six thirty-nine, but he got ninety-eight thousand from Perdido Bay. I mean, from Perdido Beach. All right. So Senator Pittman has a brother. Senator Pittman's brother is an attorney. Right. Uh, who's he representing right now, Paul? <laughs> the thing, it just you know. This is all on 420. Maybe you need to smoke the joint before you read the report or listen to this because it's so, so crazy. So my Blackberry Mojito is almost gone, and and I'm pretty sure the drink fairy's not coming back. So it, I mean, it's just totally crazy that uh, uh, now we're faced with this thing with uh, the Machery case after all of this. And Mr. Pittman, James Pittman, who is Boom Boom Pittman's uh, brother, is now representing Mr. McSherry, who hauled us all in the court and wanted to subpoena us and uh, carried on. Uh, so, the, Paul, look, uh, look, check out your screen over here. Yeah. And you'll, and you'll see this is uh, a, a list of, uh, and obviously it came off of the city of Fairhope's website. That's their. A municipal case number right there okay right right and so there's one mississippi two mississippi three mississippi four mississippi five six mississippis worth of criminal charges since uh two that mc 10 so 2010 and you'll see right here these last two are appealed right right and uh of course we know this one was thrown out and um, I just want to do a little explaining on that, and Lucy. So uh, Alabama rules of criminal procedure rule two: commit uh, commencement and prosecuting criminal pleadings. Okay, and so we get down here to all this, and and it says all misdemeanor offenses and uh, shall be prosecuted in district court or where adopted as municipal ordinance, municipal court, right? So municipal right. court is 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 the right place to try Mr. McCherry. So then he asked for a trial de novo. And what that means is, is he gets a whole new trial in front of a jury in circuit court. Okay. So trial de novo, criminal uh, proceedings prosecuted in the district or municipal court from conviction of which the defendant has appealed for a trial de novo. That means a completely new trial shall be prosecuted in the circuit court on the original charging instrument. So what Judge Stankowski said in his order last week was 
that the original charging instrument was defective because it did not allege that Mr. McSherry caused harm to the victim. Now, I really can't wait to get my hands on that document because I have a hard time believing that it doesn't say that he, uh, and, and there, there's some statutory require or some requirements under the uh, rules of civil of, of criminal procedure that say you have to have specific language in certain charging documents. So how long you think Hames, how many thousands of these things has Hames Snedeker looked over? How many thousands of these things has Marcus McDowell prepared? How many thousands a year does the magistrate prepare down there in Fairhope? And and this one got just, whoops, just can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. And and, And don't forget now that McSherry pleaded guilty in municipal court, and this was on film. Okay, then they kept putting the case off and putting the case off, and everybody was thinking, well, what's taking so long? What's taking so long? And now we're told that because there was a an error by not including or amending did cause physical injury to another person, that now Mr. McSherry, through the error of the Fairhope City Attorney, who's the prosecutor, Marcus McDowell, is not even going to face the charge. This is after a criminal record that is extensive. He has never served a single day in jail in, in Pharaoh, and this continues year after year. Yep. Nothing surprises me, man. Well, I think there should be some accountability. Uh, Mr. McDowell has uh, displayed in the past his uh, loyalty to the president of the council, Mr. Burrell. Now, I got no, I got no comment about any. This is all your ball of string. That's correct. And the interesting connection there is that Mr. McSherry is Mr. Burrell's best friend, or one of his best friends. Of course, now they'll probably say they don't know each other. But this should be investigated, and the people in the city of Fairhope should be very, very upset at something like this happening. Somebody should be accountable, and it should start with the uh, city attorney and then work its way down. I I hope that, of course, we're not going to see the council. We're not going to see the council of Fairhope do one thing or say one thing. That's my prediction. So before I go too far... (laughs) And somebody sues me, I'll shut up there. All right, so so I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here, and I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about criminal procedure. And I I do criminal law; it's not my bread and butter. Um, everybody's familiar with the term double jeopardy, correct? You right. can't be prosecuted yeah. twice for the same crime. Okay, well. In these municipal cases, it's my belief that since he never put on a defense and his appeal from municipal court to circuit court was a trial de novo, 
And since a jury was never struck, while while the municipality may, may be outside of their time, they could charge him. I think it is very possible that the state of Alabama, and in particular the district attorney of Baldwin County, could take this information to the grand jury and have him indicted on uh, similar charges. Uh, that that's my. That's my humble opinion. I don't believe I, I, I don't I don't believe it's a double jeopardy issue because they didn't strike a jury in the trial de novo. Jeopardy never attached. And the district attorney also should look into the straw man, our former county commissioner uh, Tucker Dorsey, and everything that uh, and his part in the fraud of uh, the land deal involving Baldwin County sewer. These things are being we're these are being published in Lanyap. We're talking about them on uh, the podcast. They're being written up in the Rip Report, and no authority, none, is doing anything. Are you looking for some shock in my face? No, nope. I don't think so. <laughs> All right, so let let's move on. Uh, We've talked about uh, Ben Rains, the filmmaker and uh, journalist over here. Uh, he used to be with AL.com. Uh, I've tried to contact him several times through them, and I don't know that he's uh, actively writing for him anymore, but there, the the best movie that, that he's done, in my humble opinion, is America's Amazon. Um, now, he, he has... Um, come out with this new film uh, and you can I'll, I'll share a, a link to the trailer and it's called uh, Alabama's Eden and in particular he is looking at this area of Baldwin County right here uh, out by the farm in Phillipsville and um, I actually took a picture this is these picture plants are on the side of Phillipsville Road and you can tell where the bush hog comes through here and cuts all this down every once in a while. Back here is the tree line, and this pitcher plant bog has moved this way uh, out towards the road. So um, anyway, the, I just wanted to plug, Ben, if you haven't seen America's Amazon or uh, Alabama's Underwater Forest, um, I'm on pins and needle, needles waiting to see what he wants to do. And, um, you know, just one more time, this is our region right here, um, not necessarily the state of Alabama, in my humble opinion. Well, I'd give a shout out to Ben Rains too. I've, uh, his films and documentaries have been excellent, excellent. I agree. So, Rains, what's going on in in Houston? Give us a give us a little update. Uh, right now, there is a great big quiet that has descended over Houston. Um, I mentioned it before we started the podcast at one 30 today. That was just a little under an hour ago. West Texas intermediate crude oil was trading at 19 cents a barrel. First time it's going to blow a dollar ever. They finally closed the market. Hey, Reigns, is that a co commodity, a commodities market, like a futures trading? Yes. Oil has closed at negative $37 a barrel for West Texas Intermediate. So does that mean they'll pay me $0.37 cents a barrel to come pick it up? 
Uh, that means that the entire energy economy of the city of Houston and basically a full third of the economy of Texas has just completely and utterly stopped. Right. Every single rig is going to stop production if they haven't already. Right in the middle of this virus. So yeah. what's that do to uh, marginal profit profitability of things like shale oil and all this stuff going on in South North Dakota? Is that the this it, big it pipeline? It, it shuts it all down. There's nowhere right. to put any of. Right. There's nobody to sell it to. So why keep producing? Right. Correct. Like literally, the stuff that's in the pipelines has to stop. There's nowhere else for it to go. And I mean that metaphorically and figuratively. And I hate I hate to blow your head up, but how long you been keeping your eye on these oil fusion? I mean, you and I have talked about it for a couple of days, and it really didn't seem like the time to bring it up last time because it looked speculative. But now, uh, you've been watching this for a while. You think this is a real deal, or is this gonna? Yeah, is, this, is this the Dow two months ago, and it's gonna bounce back for no apparent reason other than people watch Fox News? There have been no futures available to trade in the american crude oil market for the last that you can't get a future younger than two years right now and that before and a week ago it was the same way uh this is because and i you, you blow my head up all you want i was right i said almost a year and a half ago i said this deal with rosneft basically becoming the state oil producer of Russia, when the so when the Soviets, when the Russians bought a you talking about the Caspian Sea pipeline? Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna ramp up their Caspian Sea production by forty percent, and within a year, we're gonna see oil drop below twenty dollars a barrel, and within two years, we'll see a glut, and we'll be in nineteen eighty one again, where everything's gonna shut down. And guess what, America, North Dakota. West Texas, if there's anybody that's got to die by the end of this week, I'll dance a jig on camera because they're all. And this, is, and this is going to be, uh, and this is on top of the uh, economic devastation from the coronavirus. Well, it's it's uh it's 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 a, good, a result of it, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a one-two combination punch, and this is going to absolutely destroy the symbian economy of houston texas because we've had this happen before just four years ago we had an oil glut and all the people in the oil field got laid off and all the energy companies shut down and people that were at chevron and at bp and at shell and conoco phillips here in houston you know top four people all of a sudden they got the pink slip yeah and now it's going to happen again because stuff in the, in the energy sector moves very rapidly because the window to make money is so small. And this is bad. This is an atomic bomb for Texas. And Texas is the, is the eighth largest economy in the world. I so, saw I, I saw yesterday, I think it was, uh, I believe it was on 59 going down to Gulf Shores advertised. 144 a gallon for uh regular that's the lowest yep. i've seen it here so it's going to be interesting to see now where it goes after this happened today oh it's going to drop it's going to drop significantly because people trade gasoline futures just like they trade oil futures 
And that's what drives the gasoline price. It's not the price of a barrel of oil. If anybody doesn't know what the hell we're talking about, go watch uh, Trading Places with Dan Aykroyd and who else was going to the market? (laughs) Frozen concentrated (laughs) orange juice. Yeah. Um, So, so here's what I fear a return to the day when we can no longer afford deodorant during down in this part of the country. It is a must. Um, and, and that's really when I know we've hit rock bottom when people can no longer afford deodorant or it's no longer available. Um, you would think my son thinks deodorant's the same price as the price of gold for seldom as he uses it. I got to tell him every day, boy, you stink. Put some on. Oh, don't worry. Look, dude, that, that, uh, 13, 14 year old flip is uh, that switch is about to get flipped. And it's all going to be about what the girl's like. And he won't give a shit what you have to say about anything. Trust me. Yeah, we can only hope. We can only hope. Uh-huh. All right, so, yeah. Paul, wrap it up for me, yeah. man. Tell me what's going on in Fairhope. Uh, well, today we did a uh, the RIP report. We did a special on 420. So you can catch that on uh, Monday Madness through the RIP report, the ripreport.com or Baldwin County Legal Eagle, and one of the things that we announce in there is the uh, uh, next three or four weeks, we'll be outlining uh, what happened with some of the BP money and how it was manipulated into the wrong hands. I can't imagine that uh, people don't already know about all this, Paul. Well, I just want to remind them again and also let everybody know that uh, – social distancing is working. Uh, we've been pretty patient here. Uh, we're supposed to be closed until the end of May. That's less than two. I mean, end of April, that's less than two weeks. I think as a precaution, uh, the people in this area in Baldwin County and Mobile would be very wise to wait until the 31st and let's get a reassessment at that time and everyone be safe. And Reigns, is, is that a shotgun and a Bear Bryant Coca-Cola behind you? Yes, among other things. Among other things. All right, boys. Well, I certainly appreciate y'all participating. I think we did a good 420 show. All right, yeah. yeah no, no, nobody burned anything up. And at 420 today, if people think there's a lot of fires going on, don't be alarmed. It's just people celebrating 420. Well, y'all have fun. Um, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave everybody with Mr. Hitchens and, um, I will see you guys later. All right. Good deal. I'm a seconder usually when I propose this, but I don't care. I don't need a seconder. My own opinion is enough for me and I claim the right to have it defended against any.